I guess that's what they call a quantum leap, right? What you're going through is normal. This fear of the unknown, that's a human fear. This is the spiritual experience. This is what we lean into. So the frequency of faith is going to be met with something that is worth having faith for. Feel inspired by somebody. When you feel enthusiastic about what you're doing, that's a huge indication about what your purpose is because our purpose is to feel absolute joy. And one way to find it, I think one of the best ways to find it is to... Welcome to our greatest performance. My name is Mackenzie Rose Gorman and I'm a coach, entrepreneur, creative, and advocate for holistic well-being. This podcast is your gateway to aligning with your purpose, tapping into ancient wisdom, and embodying your fullest potential. I'm extending the official invitation to step boldly into living your life as your greatest performance. Thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into today's greatness. Thank you for joining us today. I have a very special guest who is not only someone who inspires me, is a teacher to me, a friend of mine, but she's also family in the biological sense. This is my sister, Anna Dale. She is many things wrapped into one. She is multi-talented, multi-dimensional, a yoga teacher, a designer, an artist of life, and a creative at heart. And I'm really excited to drop in with her today and to share her perspective on the world with y'all and her stories and insight and wisdom. Anna, thank you for coming on to our greatest performance. Thank you, Mackenzie. It's such a trip to be here and such an honor to have grown up together and then get to see you create and launch your own podcast and get to be a guest. I'm really excited for this conversation. Oh, me too. There's so many ways that this can go. But I think I want to start with just how interesting it is to just within the human experience to be given people with your same or similar DNA. And then you're just put in a house together and then you just grow up together and you spend years in the same home and then you part ways and you go and live your own lives and then in that process, it's been so beautiful to me to see the ways in which we have individuated, but in the same track or same alignment or like similar interests in a way that I never would have expected when we were younger, like never would have expected that. In that, I would just love for you to share what were you like as a kid and what are the things about your upbringing that we should know that have led you towards the path and the person that you are today and then where you're headed? <laughs> yeah, man, I haven't thought about this in a while. As a kid, I think I was a super, super quiet kid. I didn't mm -hmm. speak for a long time, <laughs> even as a larger child. <laughs> our neighbor when when I first said hello to Bonnie and she came running over and it's like oh my god Anna said hi and just to think back that I didn't talk is just a I think a really unique feature of my childhood and I'm I still have curiosity about that kind of block in my throat chakra and I think that's been a really yeah pertinent part of my healing journey now is going back into the throat and learning how to communicate and learning how to express myself and 
kind of undo or resolve whatever was there in childhood. I think I was a really kind of whimsical child. I think I just did really bizarre things and and didn't fit the form of a standard child a lot of the times. And looking back, I think I enjoyed hanging out with the adults more than I did with kids when there was like a party situation or an opportunity to be with people that were of a different ge generation than me. Yeah. And then I, I think a big part of what's carved me now is going into dance and really starting to develop my sanity as an artist in various ways. I don't even know if I would refer to myself as an artist now, but I guess I am in, in the true sense of creation and just how, how I bring consciousness to what I'm creating. But I think dance was a really formative part of my journey into yoga and mm -hmm. into Tell me more. Um, somatic expression. I started dancing, I think I was nine when I started dancing. And at first I was so bad. It was <laughs> like, I do oh, remember I those know. days. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. Yeah, I was just a terrible dancer. And but I kept going back. And I think it was because at first um, I had a teacher that was she just gave me a compliment. And I took this first class and it was awful. And at the end of it, she said, honey, you did great. I'd love to see you come back. And it was that single comment that made me come back because the whole class, I was like, never am I ever doing this again. And then I came back and I came back and I came back. And I think it was a, a slow progression because I did, I didn't accelerate at this like crazy skill level, but I really fell in love with choreography and the ability to express myself through movement, especially again, having difficulty expressing myself vocally yeah and yeah choreography gave me this incredible outlet for what was unlanguageable in myself and then when I got introduced to yoga through mom it was a very easy transition because I was used to moving my body in more conscious ways I had what they call body consciousness so I know when they're saying move this move that I, I know where my knee is in space I know where my ankle is I know how to like do these really fine micro adjustments. So it was a smooth transition physically. And then I just dove into the spirituality. And that mm -hmm. was the first part of my awakening. Yeah. And when you think about your spiritual path and your beliefs, I know it's a very hard question to ask of what do you think spirituality is? But more, what does living a spiritual life or a spiritual path mean to you? And what does that do for you in the way that you move through the world? I think about Ayurvedic medicine with this. So the root cause of disease in Ayurveda is forgetting your true nature as spirit. Mm -hmm. And so the flip side of that is what does radiant health look like? And it's knowing and having awareness that we are spiritual beings living a human experience. Walking a spiritual path means to me, keeping that in mind as I move through the world and engaging in symbolic sight. 
looking at my situation and my relationships and whatever challenges I'm moving through the lens of what is this archetypically teaching me and where is the lesson in that? And I think being able to view things symbolically allows me to detach emotionally and Mm -hmm. jump to the lesson faster and move through life with more ease. Yeah. Yeah. Ease. I've been contemplating ease a lot because my life's work sphere gene key is 34, which is relating to ease, ease versus force. And yeah. And looking at myself has allowed me to, as a microcosm has allowed me to think about ease versus force in the macrocosm in the world. And how we think that we have the timing that we want to have should be the timing of how things happen. But really, the timing of how things happen is spirit-led, is more divinely orchestrated than we as little humans would ever know. And so I think being able to relax into ease, which to me also looks like alignment, is so important in the human experience, in finding and aligning with our purpose. When you think of ease and alignment, how do you navigate moving through the world trying to figure out what things you're forcing versus how to find ease and how to align with your true nature and who you truly are versus maybe what you think you should do. What does that look like for you? Um, That's a great question. I think the first thing that really comes up for me is what my experience has been the last couple of years of getting really obsessed with Dharma and seeking to develop my dharma and lean into that though the way that i did it was actually quite forced i realized looking back and so the manifestations of that forcing the symptoms are dis-ease and all of the ways that showed up for me really show me where i'm forcing so being physically unwell anxiety but really that anxiety and Mm -hmm. obsession about how is my life going to turn out? I don't think that's the purpose of Dharma. And I think it was really a misunderstanding of what it means to live in flow with the universe, because I think Dharma happens through Kriya, right? And that's Mm -hmm. where we get into Kriya and Karma. Kriya is boundless action and Karma is bound action. So we create karma when we have this attachment to the outcome of something, this desire to get something at the end. And that creates this subsequent action and action that we then have to pay back. Mm -hmm. And it's not about good or bad. It's just cause and effect. But then Kriya is boundless action. So it's the actions we take out of a desire to do something. So it's spontaneous joy of doing it Mm. because it feels good, because it feels right. And there's nothing I want to get from it. So that kind of action is dharma. So that supports the unraveling of the universe and supports the entropic expansion of everything that we are. That's the the inhale breath of the universe. And then there's going to be 
the exhale where everything comes back together. So to answer your question, the flow feels like when I'm doing things because I want to do it and mm -hmm. I'm not looping in my mind about what is the meaning of this and how is it going to turn out and what am I going to get out of it? Yeah. And then I feel good. Yes, exactly. Because in ease, you're not in contraction and you're not in resistance. It's when we get to open. It's when things flow through and we get to go with that flow rather than swimming against the current. Was there a specific time or event or circumstance that a pivotal moment that changed the way that you view the world? I know that's a really big question, <laughs> but I know there's probably a few of them, but I'm just curious. I think it's one of the most important things to talk about our shadow and our struggle and how we transmuted it. So that other people can look to that when they're more in the mud, when they're not seeing the lotus, but they can see someone else's lotus that came from the mud and be like, okay, that's a new way of looking at it. Or they moved through that, so I can too. Are you open to sharing one of those times? Yeah, when it was muddy and I broke. Yeah. Yes, there's a huge time that comes to mind that I would really pinpoint as my first big spiritual awakening. And mm. looking back prior to that, I thought that I had already been on that path and I had been, but this just blew my mind and heart wide open. And that was actually the first time that I had a Kundalini awakening and it happened in an ayahuasca ceremony. It wasn't mm. my first retreat, which is interesting, but I had done a couple ceremonies before when I was like 21. and then. Years later, I sat in a few ceremonies, and in the first night, I had a kundalini awakening, and I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant until uh, the next day when the shaman was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you've had these before. And I was like, what was that? And then she explained uh -huh. it to me, but <laughs> it's really Can, can you explain it for the audience? <laughs> yeah, I will do my best. And I... I haven't read much about it. I only know my firsthand experience. It's happened a few times since. But basically, kundalini means coiled force. And it's said to live physically in your body, this coiled snake. Um, but it's more of an energetic template. But I believe that it has a physical overlay and that there's a certain part of your body near your spine that is responsible for kind of the home of kundalini. Um, you can check me on that. But when it releases, it's an energy that moves up your spine and kind of awakens each chakra as it moves. And I would say not dissimilarly to the gene keys, the chakras move from the shadow through the gift to the city in seconds. And so you get to experience the enlightened state of each chakra as it moves up. And for me, it started out with a ton of shaking, like just convulsive shaking, and I'm not in control of my body at all for hours. And then this energy starts to move up. And then it's like this very undulating energy that became very emotional for me and really peaked at my heart and 
what was really interesting to me was that I have scoliosis. So I have a, a curve in my spine that was, and it's directly over my heart. So when this energy shot up my spine, I could feel it like pressing into my heart chakra and then cracking it open. And it felt, and I saw in my mind's eye, just this crystal just shattering open and an explosion of divine love and (laughs) emotions. And I was just sitting up at the altar because this happened at the end of ceremony when we're doing something called Vintiadas and I'm in the center directly in front of the shamans and everyone's around me. And I'm sobbing and I can feel like ancestral grief for miles and miles back and the grief of Pachamama and everything. It was very maternal coming through me and releasing. And it was really beautiful. And it continued for three days. So I went in and out of really peak states. But every night in ceremony, I I re-entered it. (sighs) Wow. How do I even describe the effects right away on the first night I walked away from that ceremony and I sang which you know from the beginning of this podcast is a really big deal because I have had this block in my throat and it was something that I brought through intention into ceremony of wanting to clear this blockage in my throat chakra I walked out of ceremony with my dear friend Sasha and I was still in the medicine and this song came through me but I wasn't singing it and I saw this enchanted graveyard rise up around me and these spirits came out of the ground and they were dancing while I was singing and my voice was so clear and it was so beautiful and I have never had that experience of feeling so liberated in my throat before and After that, we sat under the stars and talked for hours and psychic gifts came online and clairvoyant visions and it unlocked a whole world of possibilities for me and just in my understanding of what life and there's so much more that I could say, but I won't (laughs) really the impacts of that led me to go home and make a major shift in, in my life and It really didn't feel like I was the one making decisions, but instead my energy shifted. I guess that's what they call a quantum leap, right? A quantum leaped in my energy, meaning that the underlying frequency that I vibrate on that is me changed. It took a huge leap up. So then as a result, things that used to be in resonance were no longer in resonance. So they just fell out of my life. And it was that Monday, I quit my job or I I told my boss that I was quitting my job as biomedical engineer then, which is just so funny looking back. (laughs) Um, Just knowing who I am now, people are always surprised by that. Very like masculine. Still surprises me. Yeah. Still surprises me too. (laughs) Uh, My relationship ended. We moved out of our house and and then I went back home to California and then I ended up traveling for the next year 
And I started hosting yoga retreats that summer. I hosted four retreats, which was just a dream come true for me. And then I started coaching and I started doing my own business. And it really fundamentally shifted my direction in life. Yeah. I think a lot of times when someone is in that state, as whether or not it comes from such a monumental experience like plant medicine, or if they're just do, doing the inner work and over time, they see things falling away. It can be a little bit scary and it can be disorienting and confusing. And there's this energy of feeling like on one hand, you're following this internal compass, this authentic code that's becoming more and more authentic as you do this work. And on the other hand, people leaving your life or you see your foundation getting rocky and it can be really confusing and hard to know always is what's the truest path forward. What did that look like for you to navigate? And is it something that you're still navigating? What's your perspective about that? Yeah, I'm really glad that you bring that up because I think there's layers to the journey. While everybody's journey with awakening is unique, it also follows a blueprint, though not necessarily in the same order. And what I've looked to a lot is the hero's journey. And mm. looking back, I can see how my experience really did follow that blueprint where I can't remember exactly every step, but I know that you get the call. And then before you take the leap, you do get divine assistance. So there's mentors that come in that help you take the leap. And then there's allies along the way that assist you to slay the dragon that you need to slay. And there's really deep, hard challenges. And you go through the dark night of the soul and forget why the hell you're doing this in the first place. And you have to lose yourself in that time. And mm -hmm. before you're able to learn the lesson that you were intended to learn and bring it back full circle to share with your original community, what you've learned in whatever way is resonant to you. So my experience has followed that. I think at first it was really easy and it felt like a dream come true. And just that summer hosting retreats, and I still had the foundation of financial security because I gave a four months notice at my job and it was, yeah, dreamy. And then as soon as I started traveling, it became very difficult and I encountered many of my own shadows and experienced a lot of anxiety, a lot of maybe what you would call depression, just fear, illness that I'm still working through today. It was incredibly difficult and I had no idea what I was doing. And looking back, it's, wow, there's so many things that I can say. I don't regret it, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> 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 and I'm grateful for them because I have found my way to coaching and it's not something that I do full time, but I have taken clients here and there over the last couple of years and it's incredibly rewarding. And every single time I find that what I've gone through has been so useful for me to reflect back to them. Hey, you're okay. What you're going through is normal. This fear of the unknown 
that's a human fear. This is the spiritual experience. This is what we lean into. And so I can really see now, of course I couldn't at the time, but I can see now how every pain and every moment when I was truly just on my knees sobbing, like day after day, what the fuck am I doing? In another country, I'm sick. I have no money. I don't know what what business am I building. Where is my life going? What is Dharma? What is life? Like just absolute question marks. It all has come to a place that I can see the the purpose in it. And it's not like I'm sitting on a throne at the end of my story. It's It's still a constant evolution. And I think it's just that upward spiral where it's, okay, I've gone through one layer and I can see the benefit of the challenge. And so I feel more confident as I move through my next challenges forever and ever. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that your story speaks to the human experience in general of about following what feels right even when it doesn't feel secure. That I think is one of the great attributes of a soul-led and heart-led life rather than following what we should do or what we are told to do. And it's a testament to the fact that when we go through hard things, like when we are on the ground crying and in it, in the dark nights of the soul, in our fear, in our anxiety, we don't realize because it's so painful and because it's necessary to feel those emotions, to catalyze yourself forward, to let them out so they don't stay stuck in and hold you back. I think letting out those things is actually a catalyst to continue to move forward. And you don't know why things are happening in the moment. And then you allow the gift of time, which is very human. It's not spirit. It's literally so human, the time component. But it allows our humanness to catch up with our spiritness and understand the meaning when we can look back. And when we look back and we say, oh, that served me so much more than I thought when I was weeping and snotting and bawling in someone's arms or on the floor. And you can look back and just see the perfection in the pain and allow purpose and passion and persistence to all come out of the pain, to use some alliteration. When you think of the different things that you've traversed that now you can work with clients on and the ways in which you walked that pipeline and continue to of pain to purpose and alchemizing um, what you're going through into strength and into insight and into wisdom. What are some of the things that have caused you the biggest pain that now are you see are embedded into your dharma, into your purpose, into your work? I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> um, yeah, this is something that we've discussed quite a bit in depth, that it has been a big part of my journey, and that's taking on more risk then my nervous system could handle. And again, yeah. it's, I don't regret it, but I wouldn't recommend it. And going forward, I've learned from it and I have a better idea of how much risk I want to take in my life and how much risk is too much risk and actually degrades the quality of my existence. Yeah. So I think that's a really fundamental pillar 
that I take with me now as I'm coaching. Like, for example, I have a client right now who is starting her own business and she's walking that tightrope of here's what I absolutely know that I love doing. And yet here's all of the reasons why I feel guilty for doing it or don't think I'm going to succeed. And it's at this point in human evolution, we still have the old systems, but the newer generations want to do what we love and they don't fit together. And so it's very challenging to sort through the beliefs that we have that are architecting our reality and either change those or conform. I think as we're navigating that of where are my beliefs holding me back and where I could just leap bigger and maybe make it work because I have the belief there. I, for myself, know that it's a middle ground now where Mm. a liberated person would use the resources that are available to them, even if that is a job in the matrix, instead of denying everything that seems matrixy and just putting it over there and saying, I have to go my own way because this is where my heart is leading me. Now I'm finding a middle ground and I'm able to use those resources because I know how much risk I can handle. And that's what I try to help clients figure out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, we've been talking about this a lot just in our personal conversations later. In a second, I would love to have you share the story that you shared with me about Liz Gilbert. But yeah, there there's a component of life where you have to understand that if you know that you're thoughts create your feelings, create your beliefs, create your actions, create your life. If you don't have true control over your mind, your conscious mind, your subconscious, your non-conscious, and thus your body system that corresponds with that, your nervous system, you can't actually truly be in your highest ability for service because you're not in your full health and you're not in your full groundedness and you won't be your fullest self. I really believe that true emotional regulation and nervous system regulation dictates the quality of our life. And if we do not have that, we do not have much. Yeah. And it's, that's what I'm dedicating myself and my work to, and to how I help clients is These are to understand the mind, the conscious mind. That's what gives us consciousness and awareness and how the mind affects our physiology and then affects our emotions. And then on a biophysical level, like biophysics, biochemistry, neuroscience, all of these things play together in how we emote and feel and how we handle ourselves. And if we put ourselves in these situations where we feel out of control in that we're in a fight or flight space that's not serving anyone because we can't Mm -hmm. be our fullest, best selves. And Mm -hmm. for you to experience that firsthand feels horrible where you're going through it. Anxiety, depression, being in fight or flight when your body is basically constantly stressed and feeling like it's in danger feels horrible. And then as you've moved through that and got to do the assessment work of what can I handle? What amount of risk is too much or too little where I can operate in my more whole, grounded, safe self. That's when you can best give. 
And so I think that's just so important for people to really get an understanding of how to do that regulation work and really just to do the assessment of where do I stand on that spectrum? Because some people, they need to burn the boats and have nothing left to turn back to. And that pushes them. For other people, that will paralyze them. And so we need to understand for each of us, it's a bio-individual thing, what makes the most sense for us and where can we anchor into so that we allow our safest self to come out so then we have our genius and we have our ability to serve. So it's beautiful to witness just as your sister and as your friend, like to see you go through it, but then to see you truly work through it and find that sweet spot for you. Because at the end of the day, we receive and we give, and that's the the cyclical and circular pattern of life. And it's great to receive and to manifest and to be given abundance in so many ways. But part of a fulfilling life is to be able to give. And we can't give if we are unsafe or don't feel good or we're unwell or in disease. So I think that's just such a beautiful example of finding your way there can be hard and can be challenging. And that's the point of it. That is earth school is we learn from the challenges and we get to build resilience, which is what I'm deeply passionate about. I'd love, could you share a little bit of that story that you shared with me about the the two types? Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah. My friend Jess told me this story the other day and then I shared it with you. Liz Gilbert, the author of Eat, Pray, Love, um, she was telling a story on Oprah's podcast and she was explaining how she has this tour where she's speaking all over the world and she had a speaking engagement, I believe in Australia. And she went, she did the speaking engagement and she spoke about how, you know, in her life, she always knew what she wanted to be. She wanted to be a writer and her evolution looked like claiming that and going after it and executing on what she knew was true in her heart. And the message was for other people to go after what you really know that you want and it's already inside you and you already know it. And after the conference, she went back to her hotel and she did what you're not supposed to do, read the reviews. And she read a review that was from a a huge fan of hers who said, I've been waiting for so long to hear you speak. You're a huge mentor of mine. After hearing you talk, I am suicidal and I don't know if I should end my life right now. And Liz reached out and said, can you tell me what I said that made you feel that way? And she was explaining that her whole life, she's been looking for the thing that she's supposed to do. She's been searching for her dharma, in other words. What, what is the purpose that I exist to fulfill in this lifetime? And the whole time, she hasn't been able to find it. And to hear one of her mentors come onto stage and confirm the fears that she had, that she's not enough, that she maybe doesn't have a purpose because she doesn't know what it is, made her feel like life isn't worth living. After that conversation, Liz, I think, talked her out of it and she changed her whole speech that she was going around the world to share. And that is 
there's actually two types of people that she's noticed. And her type, the kind that knows already what it wants and it just goes after it, she calls the hawk. And then the other type is the hummingbird. And the hummingbird goes flower to flower and it gathers nectar and it's delighted and interested in so many different paths and different subjects and it's a synthesizer so it has to go through all of these experiences to be able to put it all together and create something that hasn't ever before existed create its own nectar and that's the path of purpose of the hummingbird and that's the path that I resonate with because I don't know it's not that I'm going out and seeking a specific thing and just executing it's it has to be done experientially yeah yeah the hummingbird the whole point of the hummingbird is to go to this and love it and get nectar and get nectar and get nectar whereas the hawk goes high above zooms in on exactly what they want and gets it and I thank you for sharing that I love that Liz was able to make that distinction and create that beautiful kind of metaphor as well because I think it plays into right and wrong and how it's a very naturally human thing to think that there's a right way and a wrong way of being because that is our kind of like search for making sense of the world is and our ego is finding things that are right that are wrong that make sense that don't make sense and to think that you're doing life wrong is incredibly painful. I think that we can all probably relate to that in some kind of way, that feeling of what am I doing wrong? Or like, how come other people have it figured out or they can do it and I can't or anything along those lines? And it, it feels terrible. And so to have this reframe where it's, yeah, some people know exactly what they want. I, f I feel like I'm a little bit more in line with the hawk energy of that metaphor. Yeah. And... But either way, like we all run up into that question at some point, but to have the grace and the perspective to say, no, there's no right way of doing it. And I believe everyone is here completely on purpose. There's no accident of being on earth incarnated right now. One of the most pivotal shifts in human existence on a spiritual and energetic level and we all come here for a reason and purpose and those differ and the way we discover that differs and to allow yourself the possibility that you're not doing it wrong it's just different and it's actually perfect because it's your way is extremely liberating as you think about dharma and purpose what would you tell someone who's, I don't know, I don't know what my purpose is and I don't know how to find it? Yay. That's my favorite question. Relatable, first of all. <laughs> A lot of people feel that way. Yeah. I would just start asking that person, what do they enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. And what did they enjoy doing as a child? And what will they make time for no matter what happens in their day? What are the little things that they do, not out of a desire to get something, but just out of a desire to do it? And then what we start to do is build pattern recognition and create a, a narrative 
around what is it that inspires them and really looking at the real meaning of that word to it's the breath of God, right? And the enthusiasm to be infused with God. So these things that they're such big indications when you feel inspired by somebody, when you feel enthusiastic about what you're doing, that's a huge indication about what your purpose is. Because our purpose is to feel absolute joy. And one way to find it, I think one of the best ways to find it is to follow your joy. So you can set an intention every single day and say, my desire today is to follow what feels joyful. You will for sure be in alignment in your life if you follow what feels joyful. Of that, I can tell you that for free. Amen, sister. Yeah. And it's so funny because we love to make it so complicated and it's so simple. <laughs> it's yeah. What feels good to you? What feels good in your mental space? What feels good in your heart? What feels good to your gut? What feels good to your body? And you can apply it to anything. But mm-hmm. yeah, following your joy, following your inspiration, following your excitement are these beautiful, tiny little gold keys. And when you take it and say, I'm going to plug into joy today and turn that key and follow what's joyful and follow what lights you up, you cannot go wrong because that is aligning with your spirit, with the essence of you that's beyond the, 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 I want to say like the crunchiness of being a human of it's the thing that aligns you with your soul. And we all come here with different passions for a reason because we all play this interconnected puzzle together and we all are a piece of it I like to refer to it as like the story of us like every bit of our story matters and every bit of us matters because we're woven into this huge tapestry that is all of existence and joy is this tiny little three-letter word that is one of the biggest keys to it all I'm so glad that you point that out because we can really simplify and just follow that. A lot of times I think people get stuck in following their joy and excitement because because of so many different reasons. Sometimes it's just more of these 3D matrixy stuff of I need to make money. I can't be joyful while I'm at this job that I hate. Or there's, there's a lot of excuses. And in a way they're valid and in other ways they are playing into a victim consciousness where if you don't take responsibility for your life and for your joy and for following your inspiration, no one's going to do it for you. Right. And so you need to self lead yourself towards joy and something that really helped a lot for me as I moved through a lot of very deep depression for many years was finally like giving up on trying to be happy. I feel like happy is very transient, but focusing on what brings me joy was so pivotal. And as you continue to follow, like like joy crumbs, let's say, like Hansel and Gretel following their little crumbs, it leads you to happiness because you're cultivating a life filled with things and people and experiences and textures and sounds and tastes that feel good. To piggyback off of feeling really good, I want to talk a little bit about our shadow and the things that are a part of us that 
are hard to look at, that we cast aside or push down or that make us feel unworthy, that make us feel shameful, that make us feel unlovable. What is your relationship to your shadow and shadow work? And how is that something that you kind of address and work through in your life? Great question. I love shadow work. I love to have support with shadow work because of the nature of the shadow. What is in the shadow, by definition, we cannot see. And so when what we see, I think I believe that we get to know the shadow by the effects that it has on our life. And we can start to see these negative patterns and we can start to ask questions of why do I always behave in this way? Why do I, for example, push love away? Or why do I run in a relationship when this happens? Or why am I avoiding this? Whatever it is, we can see through the patterns where our shadow lies. For me, when I started doing shadow work, I discovered very quickly that I would forget the pattern very easily. Mm. I would be talking about it with a therapist or with a friend or whatever. And then I, it slips into unconsciousness so easily because it's something that's rearing up from the unconscious. So I now work with this incredible woman, Michal, who is a shadow work teacher. And she has a way of leading you into your somatic experience through questioning, really, why are you doing this? And she'll take you down a rabbit hole of questions and require that you answer the question when most people in our life will not make sure that you answer the question. And that's really all that it is. And working with her has been hugely transformational for me because she can hold that light where I'm slipping into unconsciousness and keep bringing me back to it and then guide me into my body where my memories are stored because the shadow comes from trauma a lot of the time. And so she'll take me back to the root and we can start to undo some of those patterns and also create a system for dealing with them when they arise so that I'm not mm-hmm. sabotaging my life. And so yeah. I rely on her a, a great deal. Do you think that there's a place to be in love or in appreciation or in respect or anything like that towards your shadow? Oh, yeah. I think that is a real level of mastery to fall in love with the shadow because that's what union in the self looks like it's to love the parts of us that have really been there as defenders as parts of us that have wanted our safety that's what these parts pop up as and so by saying thank you I love you thank you for supporting me through pain that I didn't have the capacity to feel in the moment I'm ready now. Yeah. And developing a relationship, like you said, with these parts of ourselves is the way to create a balance between ego and spirit, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on so many levels. I think one of the reasons that 
as a people, as a collective, we're in so much pain and you see it in war and politics and just struggle and strife is that people individually are suffering and don't have true knowing of themselves, don't have true love for themselves or esteem or confidence. And a lot of that is because the shadow is really painful to look at. It's the Mm -hmm. things that we want to avoid at all costs. And to do this work, it's truly work. It's difficult and challenging. And it's one of those things that, at least in my eyes, it has this enormous benefit because the harder the work is, the bigger the reward. And this is so true in this respect. And when you can sit with your pain and not it's I I love the work that you're doing and I've done so much similar work and then also just for the listener today like sometimes it's not even about like fully tracing it back to why did this happen and how do I get rid of it but it's just looking at it whatever is making you feel this pain or feel inadequate or feel fear or feel alone or feel confused or lost any of those things And just saying, okay, I'm going to invite you to the table right now, or I'm going to invite you onto this bed, this couch with me, and I'm going to embrace you and just sit with this feeling and sit with it and sit with it and even dig into it more of what's the worst thing that could happen? What are you really telling me? What is my true fear here? And being with it, that's actually what allows us to do the transmutation process, right? And to bring it into the light is allowing and accepting and appreciating. Because at the root of it all, if you think of talked about Kundalini or like Shakti energy or anything like that, like we always have access to a flow of the highest consciousness or like love consciousness or however you want to think of it. And what's blocking that is our own resistance that we create. And so being in resistance to shadow, being in resistance to the things that we don't want to look at, we think allows us to deal with them and put them nicely in the corner and we get to move on with our lives. But really the resistance is what keeps it around. When you say, hey, come hang out, let's do this hard thing. That's actually what allows it to dissipate. And I'm so appreciative of you doing the work, of everyone doing their individual work because Yes, it matters when people come and they say, I want to change the world. But the first step in changing the world is going in and changing yourself and allowing yourself to get back as close as possible or in this practice of working towards your truest self and your truest essence. And that is doing this work. And that's how we can then turn outward and serve. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing the work that you do with yourself because we all contribute to what's going on in the world, like the butterfly effect. Every single thing we do has a positive effect. And when we can become more conscious, when we can understand what to do with low vibrational, or I like to call them slow vibrational also states, just like the more dense stuff, when we know how to transmute that, we become more of a light. And we become able to be in our authentic self, to do what we're here to do, to inspire and help others, 
and it's very important work. And yeah, I just want to reflect that back to you that I know it's painful. I, anyone who's done real inner work, shadow work, inner child work, all those things, like it hurts and it's hard and it's edgy and crunchy and like, ah, it's a lot, but the payoff is enormous on an individual and societal and collective and universal level. Yes. Thank you for that. Is there a quote or a phrase or something along those lines, a set of words that you love that has shifted your perspective on living, on being alive? Yes. Can you share it with Um, us, please? There's two quotes that really come to mind. You know what? I'm going to pull it up. Okay. here's my quote it's by terence mckenna it goes like this nature loves courage you make the commitment and nature will respond to that commitment by removing impossible obstacles dream the impossible dream and the world will not grind you under it will lift you up this is the trick. This is what all those teachers and philosophers who really counted, who really touched the alchemical gold, this is what they understood. This is the shamanic dance in the waterfall. This is how magic is done. By hurling yourself into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. Yes, I'm obsessed with that one. I literally just put that on a, I'm making a new vision board for my 30th. And I just added that like yesterday or two days ago. (laughs) Yes, I'm obsessed too. It's my quote when clients book a call with me. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. When you leap, and I think it goes against some of the things that we were talking about with risk, but I want to talk about why that's not true, or it seems to contradict, but yeah. When you leap in faith and in love and in joy, that energy is supported. And I think what people don't understand at this point in history is that it's not about the content. It's not about the form of what you're doing or the content of your thoughts or your actions. It's about the frequency of them. And so the frequency of faith is going to be met with something that is worth having faith for. Does that make sense? The frequency of I trust this is going to be met with trust. And that has been my experience, even as I've fallen and stumbled and gone through my own shadows, taking the leap from my engineering job and out of flag staff and just deciding to completely 180 my life has been met with an experience that I wouldn't trade for the entire world. So it's something that I really live by. I also want to speak to the, the contradiction in that, that we were discussing earlier and that there's a degree of risk that you might want to take. And I think that the degree of risk is really dependent on 
how much you can hold your frequency in the frequency of love and trust and joy. So if you can do it, if you can move through your life and you can take the risk and you can take all the risk and you can keep that high frequency, then I say, go for it. But I think Mm. where you want to scale back the risk is if you go all the way and then your frequency drops and you're in doubt and you're Mm. in fear and you're in anxiety. And if that's the case, mm-hmm. you're going to be met with experiences that make you feel more doubt, fear, and anxiety. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's an important add. I appreciate you actually speaking to that and how it feels contradictory because I think one of the the secret life hacks of, of living a good life, uh, I personally think from a more spiritual perspective, but just in general is being able to understand that life is inherently paradoxical. Like you can literally be like, (laughs) life does not matter. In the scheme of everything, we are here for a blip and my life doesn't matter. And my life completely 110% matters. Like there is so much paradox and like seemingly contradictory pieces to life. And I think that's a beautiful point for you to add because- yeah, it's the energy, it's the frequency in which you're taking those risks. If you're like jumping off, but you're like in fear and not in this like kind of spirit of faith and trust and magic almost, you'll be met met with the resonance of like where you're operating from. Is that kind of what you meant? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We live in a, we live in a world filled with a lot of noise and distraction And it's easy to get off course or off kilter or feel like we want to follow someone else's blueprint or just do something where it seems more safe or we will have more acceptance. What do you do to maintain your authenticity in the world? Mm, Beautiful question. I make sure that I spend time with myself in nature and alone. I like to do my own self-healing practice where I'll spend, usually at nighttime, I like to carve out time during the week pretty regularly where I light all my candles and I put my yoga mat out and I'll do a pape ceremony, which is a sacred tobacco, or I'll you know, roll on my myofascial release balls or I'll pull oracle cards or I'll just sit and meditate and or usually all of the above. And it's mm. just a time for me to drop into my own truth and let the pieces of the day fall away and mm. reveal what is true for me. At the end of the day, after all is said and done, there's no conflicting energy in this space. Do I feel good about the decisions that I've made? Do I feel good about the path Mm. that I'm walking? And that time is incredibly valuable to me. And I think it's twofold. So one piece is I I really like to do this practice like in my room in the dark alone. And then I also like to spend time in nature alone. And 
Mm-hmm. have that be less structured but just walking like walking on the beach or running on the beach or doing a hike yeah. and that's so cleansing and aligning with the frequency of life itself so those two practices really keep me anchored in my truth mm. those are yummy again the simplicity and the beauty and it's of joy that you get to infuse together and really remember what is true for me? Who am I? Like, what feels good? I love that so much. I do think that there's really something to be said for like putting aside time for yourself. Ambiance, the smells, how it looks, the lighting, like a special kind of water, like adding something into your water. I like Literally, mm-hmm. sparkling water makes me so happy inside. Like the little bubbles just give me a little hug. And whatever it is, being on your mat. And I think that people forget that just these really simple acts are cleansing and revitalizing and rebalancing and rejuvenating. And to take the time to dim the lights and put the candle on and light some incense and put on or like a red light or put on your favorite music and just even if you just sit there and put your phone away and just sit it's it feels so good and i believe that a lot of people want to do that but then they just don't actually put the time into their calendar or set aside the time in their day to do it and honestly if everyone did that once a week i think we'd have less grumpy people And we'd have people with a little bit more light and pep in their step and happiness in their heart. And it's those small actions of giving to yourself to do that reassessment, rebalancing that allows us to then go out to the world and be better people. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I have a few rapid fire questions for you in a second, but I have one more question I want to ask, which is just came to my head. We haven't talked about yoga too much, but you just mentioned part of your dropping in and giving time to yourself involves your yoga mat. For some, for many, I think actually, there isn't a very deep or true understanding of what yoga is in our society. I think it's largely looked at as like a a, a, a hippie activity or just like an exercise. Think of like like core power type vibes. Nothing against core power, but what does yoga mean? What does it mean to you? And what does it look like to be a yogi off the mat? What principles of yoga can people use in their everyday life, whether or not the asanas resonate with them? This is a delightful question. (laughs) Um, Okay. Yoga means union. The direct translation, it means union. It, it, It also means to yoke. So Mm -hmm. it's a unification of body, mind, and spirit. It's a unification of self with lowercase s, with self with capital S. And as the sister science of Ayurveda, they work in tangent to create a life that is spiritually clean. You're really going back to Kriya. You're in alignment with the universal flow because you're following the practices and the principles of yoga and Ayurveda. 
which are a path to enlightenment. Enlightenment is just the realization that I am God. That's all that is. And it's not that I am God and you are not. It's I am God and so are you. To me, yoga has been my church. It's been the place where I return to myself, where I cleanse and work through whatever frenetic energy or whatever untruths have accumulated in my psyche and in my body. It's been such a joy for me to have this practice for, it's been 12, it's almost been 13 years since I've been doing yoga. Started when I was, I think when I first wow. went to my first yoga class, I'm almost 28. And yeah, I've been teaching for about five years now. And mm -hmm. It's been such a joy to be able to share that with other people. And my purpose in sharing that is really just to guide people into their own intelligence and understand mm. what it means to be sacred. And if I can mm. convey that, then I've done my job to give somebody the visceral experience of sacredness. What does it mean to be and sacred? <laughs> It means to value and love every part of you, which is every part of everything. And mm -hmm. to move through life with a quality of being that is, for lack of better words, unfuckwithable. <laughs> because there really is no... There's no replacement for consciousness. There's no replacement for quality of being. And to mm -hmm. understand your sacredness is to settle into the simplicity of the present moment and the profound depth there and to be awake. Yeah. What was your last question? Oh, if people are not practicing yoga on the mat, how can they use the principles of yoga in their everyday life? Because I'll say that, like, I, I don't think that there's a strong societal awareness that the best yogi is not the one who can do the headstands and the crazy postures. The best yogi is the one who moves through life as a yogi off the mat. Yes. Yes, can you, it's, a, it's can ultimately you, yeah. not about the physical body whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I, I yeah. agree that's not well understood, which is why I really yeah. love studios that don't have mirrors. But I think the best place to look or a good place to look would be to the yamas and niyamas. And so in the eight limbs of Raja Yoga, um, the first two limbs, these are limbs on the path to enlightenment. And the first two limbs are called the yamas and the niyamas. And they're like the Ten Commandments of yoga. And, and so they direct us in how to be in right action with ourselves and with others. And that's a really good place to look for when you're learning about how do I want to move through the world? And, you know, what is not necessarily right and wrong, but how do I want to conduct myself? on an internal level and through my relationships. That's a perfect place to look. Yeah, it's a good, 
A really good jumping off point. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really tangible and practical in regards to something that I think some people just feel like is inaccessible because they're like, I'm not flexible. And really the deep understanding of and use of and practice of yoga is it's in yoga, you get very uncomfortable physically and it teaches you how to be uncomfortable in real life. But yeah, it's like, how do I want to be? What is right action for me is a very practical way to take that into how you're being and not even focus on necessarily fully what you're doing. So thank you for sharing that. I have a few rapid fire questions for you as we wrap up. Are you ready? Yeah, shoot. What is something currently on your bucket list? Oh, I really want to go to Greece. I have that in my mind. Uh, It's been on my mind for a long time. I would really like to see the Greek islands. I love that. What is your favorite or most recommended book? It's right next to me (laughs) The Great Human Potential. I've bought this for many people. It's subtext Walking in One's Own Light. These are teachings that are channeled from the Pleiadians and the Hathors, which are interdimensional beings of light that communicate with humans to help us on our human and spiritual journey. Gorgeous. Yeah, you've told me to read it a few times and I need to. I'm just, I'm wilding out right now. As of the present moment when we were recording this, I think I'm in the middle of 17 different books. <laughs> and so I can't add another one right now because I need to, I know I need to wrap that up, but I'm excited to read that soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to it, finish it up soon. Yeah. It's important. <laughs> okay. Everyone write it down. It's important. Okay. Great human potential. It's Number- really important. <laughs> the great human potential to live your great human potential. Okay, next question. What is something you firmly believe in that others might think is a little cuckoo or not mainstream? <laughs> I believe in following your feelings rather than your logic. Yes. Okay. What's a current goal of yours or something you're working on? I am pursuing a degree as a Ayurvedic health counselor right now. And I put it on pause for a while and I'm getting back to it. So I'm very excited to eventually have this degree and be able to help people on their healing journey in a more tangible way. Yes. Love it. Can't wait for that day to come because I, yeah, I feel like that will be you truly in your gifts and your passion and purpose. What does the world need more of? Self-love. Amen. Period. Yeah. Period. Full stop. Mic drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you tell your younger or teenage self? <laughs> Don't worry how your life isn't is going to turn out. Mm. everything that you need will be 
available to you and known to you in perfect time. Follow your instincts and lean into your joy more than you think. More than you think. Yes. Highlighting that. (laughs) All right. Last one is what is a one minute love note, message, words of encouragement that you want to share with the audience about living well, living fully, living deeply, or whatever it is that feels like it wants to come through you right now that people need to hear? I'm so proud of you. And I hope you are too. Because if you stop and look at how far you've come, if you take a moment to set down your worries and anxieties and fears about how things are going to turn out or how they already have, and you look back and look at all of the ground that you've traversed, not even the success that you've had, but just how much you've moved across the landscape, even when you were crawling, even if you had to bury your teeth and barely move, look at how far you've come. You're an extraordinary human being with potential so much greater than you know. Appreciate yourself. The world will be so much better for it. I love you. you. I'm receiving that right now. I hope everyone is receiving that with just so much love because I could feel the love of you and of the whole universe behind those words. And that is what we need to hear right now. Thank you. Thank you so much for sitting down with me for this conversation interview. I feel so lucky to share this with others and to allow them the opportunity to come home to themselves, to understand that there's no right or wrong way of following their path, for them to learn from your perspective to change their own, because that's really a human superpower perspective. And I'm also just really lucky and grateful to call you my sister and one of my most dear friends and people in this world. I don't think it was an accident that we were put together in this family, but I don't take it for granted. So thank you for being here. And I love you. How can people find you out on social media or connect with you out out in that world? <laughs> out in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could follow me. You can follow me on LinkedIn. No, I'm kidding. Um, you can follow me on, on Instagram. Uh, this is Anna Dale. I also have a design website if you need design work done branding and web design at anadaledesigns.com and I just wanted to say thank you so much for holding this space it's been so beautiful to see your growth in real time and be able to have a professional conversation as sibling 20 27 29 years later I love you so much yeah I love you too thank you again Thank you. Bye.
wow, okay, recording and then making and editing that made me emosh. If you have a sibling, please text them right now or siblings and let them know how much you love them and how grateful you are to have them in your life because we might take it for granted, but to be given people to not just do the life experience with, but who share parts of your childhood, this very intimate, formative part of your life and who you can continue to grow with and learn from over time. Oh my goodness. I hope that you got something out of this conversation today. It definitely meant a lot to me, but I really believe that it holds value for a lot of people because just speaking to navigating the life experience, I mean, wow, it's complicated and it's intricate. It's complex and it's something my sister and I really enjoy talking about. So we wanted to bring it to the podcast. As always, if you feel so inclined to subscribe and follow, that would be so appreciated. And if you would like to leave up to a five-star rating and review, I will just love you forever. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but not really. That would mean the world to me. And if you want to screenshot and send your review and rating to my Instagram or to my email, I would love to set up a complimentary life audit session with you. So let me know if I can do that for you. I'll look out for your messages. As always, I hope you have a beautiful day. One of my favorite prayers and meditations in the world. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you feel seen, heard, known, and loved. I hope you go out into the world and shine your light so bright and remember that This whole thing that we're doing, this journey, this life experience, it's all a figuring out process. You never fully have it done. You never fully figure it out, quote unquote. You're never at the destination until it's truly gone. So appreciate the whole process and please reach out if you'd like to go deep into a coaching experience with me, either one-on-one or in a group because alignment is the name of the game and that's the the foundation of my work so if you're looking to live more deeply more true to yourself please let me know and have a beautiful beautiful day i love you